and welcome to Our UFOs Real with T.L. Keller. This edition of Our UFOs Real is brought to you by the Total Novices Guide Books. I'm T.L. Keller, author and former aerospace engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, British Aerospace, and Douglas Aircraft, among others. On this program, we'll be looking into the myths and realities of unidentified flying objects, what most of us call UFOs. Why do people continue to report sightings of UFOs? Why do they report abductions, crop circles, and other highly strange events? All opinions expressed on this show are the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of webtalkradio.net. And by the way, if you're a skeptic or you've had a UFO experience of your own and would like to appear on this show, at the end of the program, we'll announce how to contact us. So strap yourself in and buckle up. You're in for a ride of your lifetime. We have a very unusual show for you today. Today's guest is Barbara Lamb. Now, Barbara is a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified hypnotherapist, and regression therapist. And some of you are probably wondering, well, why would we have someone like that on this show? But basically, Barbara has uh, been involved with uh, ET experiencers since 1991. Now, these are people who have uh, claimed to have encounters with extraterrestrial beings. Uh, she has a practice in Claremont, California, and in fact, I've known Barbara for some time. Uh, she uh, and I shared a table at the last uh, International UFO uh, Congress in Scottsdale, Arizona. And today, she is going to be telling you about some of her experiences with individuals who are ET experiencers. She has um, regressed more than 800 people uh, who have claimed to have had ET experiences. And so I consider that a, quite a considerable sample size. And we're going to hear things that uh, possibly most of you have never heard before. Hello, Barbara Lamb. Hello, Tom. Thank you for joining us for a second time on Our UFOs uh, Real. I it's a pleasure to have to. you here. Thank you, and for me too. Well, good. Um, I might mention that um, your uh, first interview is available at uh, webtalkradio.net, and it is archived. So if uh, anyone would like to hear an uh, interview again or for the first time, it is available. Good. Now, okay. last time uh, we spent um, a fair amount of time talking about uh, your impression that some extraterrestrials are quite friendly and others are rather unfriendly and in fact there is a range of let's say a, a friendliness factor here mm -hmm. um, and it, you've had um, I believe something like over 800 clients that have come to you oh yes it's it's closer to 850 uh -huh. different individuals by now right of uh, many people also come because they wonder if they might have had these experiences and they wonder because there are certain clues that they've already had that maybe something like this has happened uh, you know it's not just the average person who has heard of this and thinks gee i wonder 
if I'm a candidate for that, uh, the people who come are people who've had uh, close UFO sightings and or they've had a period of missing time for an hour or two, um, or they've awakened with unusual markings on some part of their body, or they um, have little flashbacks of having been in an unusual situation with unusual beings, and, you know, things of that sort, so that they have reason to think that maybe extraterrestrial encounters have happened with them. Mm-hmm. And they come for regressions to really find out the details about that and explore it yes. more deeply than they can do with their conscious mind. Now, you, uh, I understand, uh, have talked to these regressed uh, clients of yours, and they apparently have, uh, as a group, have encountered something like 40 different types or species of extraterrestrials. Is that uh, correct? Yes, yes. and it certainly seems from their descriptions right in the regressions as if um, the beings are quite different from each other. And any one experience, any one person might uh, have encounters with several different types who are all involved in the same experience. They seem to be working together. And very typically, a person will be taken by a certain kind of being. Very frequently, the the little, short beings, we refer to them as the gray beings, uh, sometimes they're taken by little white beings or by other kinds. Uh, But when they get to the location that they're taken to, which appears to them to be the inside of a rounded or at least oval-shaped a craft of some kind in the sky, um, that there may be still other types there, different types, different species working together in regard to the person mm-hmm. who's been taken there. And in that mix, sometimes there are beings whom the person being taken will look at quickly and think, oh, oh, there's another human here amongst these other types. But when they look more closely or have a chance to be with that one for an hour or so, they begin to discern that, well, you know, this this one isn't really, now that I get a better look, isn't really a human, but certainly gives the impression of being very human-looking. So that brings our attention to some of the many hybrid beings who seem to be on the crafts and seem to be working alongside some of these uh, different species of extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. The last time we spoke uh, very briefly about um, the hybridization program, or at least the apparent hybridization program, now, this is uh, um, where the uh, uh, various uh, humans are apparently abducted, both male and female, uh, and uh, human DNA is somehow extracted and then mm-hmm. combined with, uh, if I may use the, the term, extraterrestrial DNA to create mm-hmm. a hybrid being. Is yes, that correct? Indeed. Yes, uh, you're right on there, and there seems to be a lot of that happening. Now, I wouldn't 
claim by any means that um, everyone who has extraterrestrial encounters necessarily has hybrid children. Uh, many of them do, but I wouldn't say that they all do. But then we may get into this later, but I think we could fairly safely say that anybody living here on Earth who is a hybrid, a mixture of another extraterrestrial species and, of course, human species, um, all of those people seem to have encounters with extraterrestrial beings, particularly the kind of extraterrestrial beings that they are partly um, composed of. So you're saying that the hybrids are themselves uh, taken away? Yes, yes, the hybrids who live here on Earth. I think let's back up a step here and say that there have been many, many people whom I've regressed and many I've talked with and heard um, accountings of these types of things from, um, who, when they're taken to the craft, they see hybrid beings. And that doesn't mean on every encounter they will see them, but very frequently they will. And those hybrid beings may be babies, even embryos, fetuses, uh, gestating in small glass tanks of fluid, or the hybrids might be already, quote-unquote, born from those tanks, and, um, and the woman or the man, who's the parent, or let's say half-parent, of that baby will be asked to hold those babies. And then both men and women who've had their reproductive material contributed for this purpose, uh, they will see those hybrid children at various intervals throughout the years when that hybrid child is growing up. Mm -hmm. And even until adulthood, uh, for instance, I've worked with two women in many, many regressions who had hybrid children, and one of them saw the hybrid when he was a little boy, about four years old. She was in an experience on a craft, and the extraterrestrial father um, introduced her to this little boy and said, this is our child. Uh, that father happened to be a reptilian type of being, and of course the mother was a regular human being, and so she was shocked because she hadn't known up to that point uh, that she had a hybrid child who was living on the ship with the other extraterrestrials, uh, but she just got down on her knees on the floor at the moment that she first saw this child and embraced him and had a huge feeling of love for him, which is very fortunate because he was her child, and um, admired him and said, oh, you're so sturdy and you're so strong and you're wonderful. And, of course, he didn't really look entirely like a human child. He had the, the build of a sturdy, stocky human child, but then his skin texture was a bit different, and his facial features were different. His overall coloring was different. Um, and then the father, the extraterrestrial father, noticed that she was observing these details, 
and he said to her, we know that to you humans, these children look like freaks, but to us, they look absolutely beautiful. And she was so surprised, number one, that she had this child, and then surprised that the father uh, said what he did. And yes, recognizing I... that we think they look very different and odd, but to them, these beings are precious and beautiful, and they're very, very proud of them. You know, um, Dr. David Jacobs, uh, the professor at uh, Temple University, who has uh, published uh, two books that I'm familiar with, uh, Secret uh, Life and the Threat, explains from his experience that there are several different stages of hybridization. Uh, He called them early stage hybrids, medium stage hybrids, and late stage hybrids. Yes. Uh, Have have your clients uh, described this as well? Um, Oh, absolutely, yes. And by the way, I do know David Jacobs, mm -hmm. a very interesting individual. And I admire his work very much. He he draws some different conclusions about the hybridization program than I do, but uh, but we do have a lot of the same findings with the people that we are each regressing. Yes, it's the early stage ones that people tend to be taken to see. In other words, one of the parents of an early stage hybrid child will be taken, and um, sometimes they'll see that baby as I mentioned before, um, in a tank, like a fetus, in a tank of special fluid. And that tank is usually one of many tanks or many hybrid fetuses there in that particular kind of room. And each one of the tanks has a tube and some wiring connecting the tank to kind of a monitoring machine, which I imagine is monitoring the chemical components of the fluid temperature, and maybe nutrients, and so Mm -hmm. forth. And then um, later, the same mother is taken, you know, when that baby is out of the tank and Mm -hmm. ready to be, you know, a a baby and then a child um, living in the air on that craft. Was this particular was this particular woman taken at a later time where she saw the middle stage or late stage development of this uh, uh, human reptilian hybrid? Yes, that woman that we were talking about a minute ago. Yes, so she um, at the time that we did this particular regression, she had not yet discovered. We had not yet had a regression to the earlier part of the hybrid process. Um, So her introduction to the fact that she had a hybrid child was with this four-year-old child. Now he, uh, we would probably rank as a middle stage child. Um, Going back just a step to the early stage ones, these are beings who uh, would not have a chance at all of surviving on Earth. And a lot of them apparently do not live through uh, the very early stages of their life uh, because they're very frail and listless. Uh, They have very thin bodies and arms and legs. 
They have very, very large eyes, sometimes with a little bit of white around the corners uh, from the human influence. Um, they have very large heads in relation to these little bodies. And um, they have just a vestige of human genitals, but they... Um, you know, they, they could not survive here on Earth with our bacteria, our viruses, even um, our air and our way of nourishing ourselves. Mm-hmm. So they can um, absorb nutrients through their skin if they're placed into a tank or a tub of some sort of um, nutritious fluid. And they can do a little bit of eating and drinking through their mouths but they're still not terrifically developed. But the middle stage, um, and that's where I think this four-year-old would fit into that category, um, they're more strong, they're more healthy, more intelligent, a little bit, oh, quite a bit more human-looking, more robust, and um, they can feed in those two ways too, absorbing nutrient liquid through their skin and ingesting food as we do through our mouths and a a more advanced uh, digestion system uh, such as we do and they have a normal human metabolism and um, so they can be more responsive too to when the human mother or father visits them like this little four-year-old we've been talking about and they could have very brief visits here on Earth, but very brief, uh, probably just, you know, several minutes or and a half an hour, but they're not quite human enough uh, to live here. But if that hybrid in the middle stage would happen to combine reproductively um, when old enough, combine reproductively with another human, uh, then that child of that union would be a larger percent of human. And then, so when we get to the late-stage hybrids, these are beings, I will want to actually say people, um, who may be about the fourth generation of the hybrid project. In other words, um, great-grandparents, for instance, um, might have been one human and one extraterrestrial combining reproductively. And mm-hmm. then their child, the hybrid child, early stage, when adult enough would combine with another human, and then their child, being more of a proportion of human, but still some extraterrestrial would combine with another human, and so on, until they're human enough to be able to really live here and live here amongst us. And it's this group of beings that I myself am particularly interested in, and I have met a few of them whom I feel convinced, and so do they, that they are hybrid beings. Now, there's um, another way that a person here on Earth could be a hybrid being, not just through the uh, taking of the mother's eggs, ova, or the human man's sperm, and then combined with the extraterrestrial reproductive material. That certainly um, 
is a large proportion of the way that this is done. But I've met people, talked to them, and they've eventually been told and had it confirmed that the way that they got to be a hybrid is that they were born as a regular human. Well, let's say, now back up a step here, they were conceived as a regular human from a human mother and a human father. But during that pregnancy, when still in their mother's womb, the mother was taken for an experience and was injected like a regular hypodermic needle, injected with the alien DNA. And that was injected through the mother's uterus, uh, right through the wall of the abdomen, into the uterus and into the fetus inside the womb. And so that fetus then um, had a large dose, shall we say, of the genetic material from that species of extraterrestrial that did that process. So when that baby is born, it already is partly hybrid, extraterrestrial. And so the people that I know, whom we feel quite convinced, they and I and probably a few others, uh, that this has happened, they've actually eventually, when they've grown up, been told by their fathers or by somebody that this process had happened when they were in their mother's wombs, and therefore they are living here, they look very human, and they're carrying around the um, extraterrestrial DNA. And there are differences, too, in those people. Mm -hmm. How would they uh, uh, be informed uh, that they were not entirely human? Well, um, in the cases that I know about, uh, when they grew up, they, these are women so far, but I'm sure this happens with men as well. I just haven't connected with them yet. But these women have been told when they're adult uh, by their own fathers, uh, they are told that the fathers have been part of a program, usually through some highly secret, well, we don't know if it's governmental or military kind of group, uh, one of those groups that we sometimes hear exist, but we're not allowed to know very much about, and that the fathers have colluded uh, to be part of this program and have, in a sense, volunteered that their child could be a subject who would be studied as somebody who is human and yet carrying a lot of extraterrestrial DNA. And in some cases, uh, the father actually tells the children when and where and how uh, that procedure happened when they were babies in their mother's wombs. Hmm. And these wow. beings, of course, get born and they uh, get raised by that family. And they go to school, they play with children, they live regular lives, they grow up. And in some cases, they, they not only look a little bit different, if you look carefully, but they um, sometimes have different things about their inner bodies. Uh, for instance, one woman actually has a different constituency of bone material. And her bone material has been tested uh, by various labs and so forth. 
in medical procedures, and it's it's really a different consistency, different kind of bone uh, throughout her body. And she also has uh, one of her organs, I believe it's her appendix, that instead of being down in her mid to lower abdomen, it's actually up around her um, collarbone, which is unusual. Uh, sometimes these people have an extra rib or even an extra finger or extra toe on each foot. Uh, so there might be something different. They usually have eyes that are a bit larger than ours, but not so large that they wouldn't pass as human. Um, and so they do have different features of that sort if you really look carefully. So there were two women at the International UFO Congress. This happened uh, two separate years. But in each case, I saw the woman at close range for the first time, and immediately I had a take that, oh, you remind me of, like in one case I said, oh, I hope you don't mind my saying this, but you remind me of a hybrid. And that woman said, and looked me right in the eye with her big eyes, much bigger than mine, lovely eyes, um, and said, I am a hybrid. So that began a nice friendship <laughs> that we've had for several years now. And she's one of those people who knows from her father having told her about this procedure that was done to her through her mother's womb when her mother was carrying her in pregnancy. Oh, I see. And then another woman I met also at the UFO Congress, and the moment I first saw her and looked at her, she was only about maybe three feet away from me, I I just went, oh, oh. and she said, what? <laughs> obviously, I was looking very surprised. And, um, and I said, well, I hope you don't mind my saying this, but you remind me of a mantis being, one of the extraterrestrial species, insectoid types or mantis beings and she you know with an absolutely straight face said well good for you i am a mantis being hmm. so i got to know her and with both of these people i correspond with them and kind of keep up with them and learn more and more as we go along and uh, she had been born to human parents but a special uh, procedure had been done when she was in her mother's womb also and so she's got the mantis being genetics in her. And then there's another woman, who, and these, uh, these two, these last two, um, are located on the east coast of the U.S. And um, this third person um, claims to be um, part reptilian and part human. And I do know there are many reptilian-human hybrids as well as gray human and um, Nordic human and um, mantis being human combinations. Anyway, this one back east who um, is uh, partly reptilian, uh, she says, and her husband also verified this, that occasionally she begins to sort of shapeshift 
her look, and she actually sent me photos of this, um, she'll shapeshift into looking, at least with part of her body, her face and part of her body, uh, she'll look reptilian-like for a short period of time. And then that will seem to fade, and then again she will look like uh, pretty much of a regular human with eyes that might be bigger than most of ours, but not startlingly so. Mm -hmm. And this woman is very aware of her um, reptilian heritage and has learned uh, about some of their beliefs and their ceremonies and their spiritual processes. And she says that uh, they are a magnificent species. She's very fond of them and very proud to have those uh, genetics in her. And I'm very proud to be part of their program. And as compared to uh, many people who feel that the reptilians are all bad and nasty and brutish and all of that sort of thing, as we hear sometimes from people about reptilians. But she said they're a very fine species. They're very high-minded. They're very spiritual, although their spirituality is somewhat different than what we consider our spirituality. But it's great that she um, has had witnesses, like her husband and a few other people, uh, that she does change. Her look will change on occasions. Her whole skin texture changes to a more reptilian look, and her eyes will change. Uh, they'll change so that instead of having round irises and round pupils like the rest of us have, uh, they turn into vertical slits of pupils. And, and even the eye shape tends to turn into more of a round shape. Uh, while they're shifting into this other aspect of their being. Hmm. And then it will fade and, and shift back, and the person looks and acts perfectly human again. So yeah, she's that's... aware of that. Hmm. She's aware of the shift. It's a feeling that she gets physiologically and even emotionally when this shifting over to the reptilian look, uh, when that's actually happening. There seem to be uh, many different types of reptilian or reptoid or serpent-like beings that have yes, been reported. Does she know, does she recognize that? Oh, she does, yes. And she, of course, identifies with her particular kind. I don't know that we have a name for that kind, but she's very aware. And she does have um, encounter experiences with that type of reptilian here and there. She's actually been taken, she said, to some location where some of them live. Uh, I said, well, what does that seem to be like? Does it seem to be like a different planet or a craft in the sky? Or, or you know, what would you describe that as? And she said, well, all she knows is that it's a dark place um, like a cavern, in a sense, uh, not with stalactites and stalagmites, but she has that feeling like it's sort of a cave-like, perhaps underground mm -hmm. um, location. And Did you get the idea that it might be underground here on Earth? 
or underground on some other planet. Sense, uh, she has the sense, well, she has said sometimes she suspects it's here on Earth. Other times it seems like it's probably on a different planet, but I think she doesn't know absolutely for sure mm -hmm. about that. But she said there are special ceremonies that go on there, and there are, uh, in fact, she has sent me some pictures by email of um, a place that's dim in coloring with dark greens and dark blues and black, and um, and then big columns sort of leading up to this throne-like structure. And on the columns are different symbols, insignia, and mm. it's very regal-looking. Mm -hmm. And she said it is magnificent, and she's always very happy uh, when she's taken there. And she makes the point that so many people who know about extraterrestrials, and particularly about reptilians, um, really give them a bad rap. Um, and, you know, talk about how scary they are and fierce and and it can be mean and all of that. And But she said not all reptilians are like that. Mm -hmm. And some are really magnificent and regal and kindly. And as I said, they've got their own spirituality. Um, they really are aware of a higher power and honor that higher power. And they're very, very intelligent and, um, according to her, uh, very decent, very kindly. So, you know, I think that she's talking about one particular type of reptilians. That would seem to be the uh, sort of the logical uh, uh, conclusion, I would think. Tell me, uh, yes. has she ever been told by the reptilians why they have this hybridization program? Yes, uh, she says that she has. Um, number one is that they, like with so many of these different species, are extremely interested in humanity and extremely interested in the Earth. And they're very concerned, as are many of the other species, about what humanity does to each other. You know, all the wars and uh, competitions and doing each other in, competing and um, wars, killing, bombings, uh, murders, you know, um, all those things which indeed, as we know, a lot of humans do. And they're very concerned even more than that. Uh, they're concerned with what human beings are doing to the earth itself. And they recognize that the earth is a very special planet full of more resources more variety, more beauty, in fact, than any of the other planets combined, any of the other planets that harbor life. Mm -hmm. So Earth is very precious, and they don't want us to destroy it. And they, as with many other species, too, have said that they're very concerned about our nuclear capability, and that if we start sending nuclear bombs, exploding them, that the radiation from that will not only ruin things on Earth, but the radiation will rise out throughout our solar system, affecting all the other planets, and, and even beyond the solar system. So we are really not only a threat to ourselves, 
but a threat to other intelligent life on many, many other planets. Yes. Why, why do you think that um, there, there seem to be so many of these um, hybrids that have been reported? What are their long-term objectives in the, let's say, the quantities of hybrids that are being placed on this planet? Yes, well, this is where I disagree to some extent with David Jacobs, um, because he feels that these hybrids are being created and trained and brought here uh, to acclimate to life on Earth in order to take over Earth for themselves, perhaps without us remaining on the Earth as human beings. I don't have evidence myself to think that that's the case. Um, rather, uh, the ones that, whom I've met and really talked to at length and even regressed to some extent, um, they feel that they have a very high mission, that they are here in order to really help humanity and help the Earth. They're here also to help us to raise our consciousness to a more spiritual and universal awareness. Uh, so they're here to upgrade us in that sense. Mm -hmm. And they do it in many, many different ways. Uh, some of them do it as healers. Some of them do their mission as educators. Uh, some do it in terms of public speaking. Uh, some do it in terms of writing. But in any event, um, they are here to really help uh, the mantis hybrid woman, whom I know, she's also back on the East Coast, she is doing a lot of work with the children and teenagers whom we call star children, or some people give them the name um, indigo children or crystal children. In other words, these children are very special beings who've come in at a much higher level of consciousness than most of our human children do. And they have a lot of psychic skills, a lot of intuition. They're very open to interacting with other dimensions. Uh, very often, um, they're very aware of their extraterrestrial contacts. Uh, many of them are probably hybrids, I would think, or at least strongly influenced by certain types of extraterrestrials. And a lot of these children are here and very young realize that, oh boy, the world is really dysfunctional in the way it's run by our governments and our corporations and our military complexes, and they want to do something about this. They're very aware at young ages that, you know, we are really ruining and polluting the earth and we've got to stop it. And some of these kids are very, very feisty. And they, they're the kind of kids who make a ruckus at school and maybe get into trouble a lot and say very challenging things to their parents and adults. Like, why do you do that? Well, why does there have to be, um, you know, preparation for war in Iran, for instance? Uh, that's not right. And hopefully, at least many of these kids will grow up to be movers and shakers and really, if possible, you know, try to get things running in a different way here mm -hmm. for the benefit of humanity rather than the destruction of parts of humanity. They want yes. for the benefit. 
Some people think that uh, some of the movers and shakers that are already on Earth are uh, hybrids. Yes, yes, and I think <laughs> I'm thinking about David true. Icke, of course. <laughs> David Icke. Well, yeah, and um, and many people who you know really speak out and tell the truth as they know it and uh, have a good public platform mm -hmm. uh, that maybe they are hybrids or at least um, may get a lot of downloaded um, encouragement and information from certain groups of extraterrestrials. Yes, I can, I can see that. I think it's, it's good for people to be aware of uh, these things going on amidst us. Yes. Uh, so anybody listening to this might actually know somebody who is a hybrid and just simply not realize it. Mm -hmm. That's quite uh, possible. It, yeah, it does seem to me that at least the people I know who, whom I feel convinced are hybrids, and they are convinced of it as well, um, they are definitely high-minded people. And they're very bright, very intelligent, usually very psychic and very intuitive. Uh, they have abilities that most of us have just not developed that far yet. Mm -hmm. So they're good human beings. Another thing I'd like to say about the hybrids living here is that frequently uh, they are considered by other human beings to be especially attractive. I see. To be, rather than being weird or odd or strange looking, um, they, these late stage advanced hybrids uh, tend to be very attractive. Tall, often slim, um, nice heads of hair, both male and female, um, very bright, very perceptive. They can kind of see into things in ways uh, that most of us don't. They can feel um, UFOs up in the sky in the mm -hmm. general area where they are when the UFOs are there. They're very psychically attuned in many ways like that. And very often they, they do get um, information channeled through them or downloaded into them. And uh, they don't know, in many cases, exactly where that comes from. Another feature is that they so often uh, feel like they're not really of the earth the way other people seem to be. They feel like they're real parents and their real home, where they really belong, is out there somewhere in space. And many times they long to go back to their real home, mm -hmm. even though they don't know exactly where it is. Yes, I've I've actually met one of those uh, at a local MUFON uh, meeting. Uh, he thought that he came from some other some other planet and uh, didn't mm -hmm. uh, feel very comfortable here. Well, we're going to have well, to uh, wind be. this up uh, for today, but uh, let's get okay. back together because you brought up so many fascinating uh, topics. Yeah, yes. Yes, and if we ever want to get into the nitty-gritty of reproductively how this hybrid program is carried on, uh, we could do that, too. Okay. I'd like to very much uh, do that on a, a show uh, in the very near future. Okay. Thank you, Barbara, once again. I very much appreciate your being with us. Oh, you're very welcome, Tom. It's wonderful oh. you're getting this information out there. I've just been listening to Barbara Lamb.
certified hypnotherapist. Now, I know for many of you, what you've just heard will be startling. And for others, it will be shocking. For the last group, it will be unbelievable and therefore unacceptable. And I understand that. So what are the takeaways from today? First, the hybridization program has been ongoing for decades, maybe even longer. This program has been conducted by several types or species of extraterrestrials, namely the reptilians, the insectoids, the Nordics, and others. Third, possibly millions of humans have been involved in this program over the years. And what is their ultimate objective? It's difficult to say right now, but stay tuned to this program. And thank you for joining us on Are UFOs Real? Thank you.